You're listening to Rethinking Trade with Lori Wallach. Small business owners and farmers are protesting the green WTO and NAFTA are transnational forms of autocratic governance that support their own. The Seattle has never seen anything like it. Before you hear that, into the people's hands. Mexican workers face threats of violence. Welcome back to Rethinking Trade, where we don't just talk about trade policy, we fight to change it. I'm Ryan, and I'm joined once again by our in-house trade expert, Lori Wallach. Lori, a lot of people may have seen that Trump just issued an executive order on Buy American rules, and last month Joe Biden announced his own Buy American plan. Before we dig into both of these, why don't you just give us a brief overview of what Buy American rules are in general? So since Franklin Delano Roosevelt was president, the U.S. has had, as part of its federal law, a preference that when the federal government procures things from cars and trucks for government fleets to office furniture and desks and phones to paper, whatever it is, that the purchasers are made of goods that are made in America. And the idea is twofold. First is to recycle tax dollars back into creating jobs and supporting communities in the United States. So it's sort of a virtuous circle of you have a job, you pay your taxes, and then the taxes come back into your community to buy things that are made in the community for people who pay those taxes. The second thing is it's an industrial policy tool for innovation because the government by making long-term contracts in certain areas and saying certain criteria can basically help a private market get created. So a classic example is fuel efficiency standards for automobiles. We all think of the so-called CAFE, the corporate average fuel economy standards that are when you buy a car, it explains what the average is and there are federal requirements that a fleet of cars produced by a maker has to have certain fuel efficiency standards. But initially, before that became required of all cars sold in the United States, the U.S. government fleet had to meet those rules. So for a number of years, to create a demand, to create a market, to have the companies put the money and research into designing those more efficient, fuel efficient economical cars, the government started setting standards that they had to meet for government purchases. So if GM or Ford or Chrysler wanted to get a government contract, which of course is very lucrative, the government buys a lot of cars, then they had to have their cars be more fuel efficient and better for the environment. And after a number of years of the government fleet having that requirement, the investment being made, then it was made federal law that all cars had to meet those standards. And that kind of conditionality is done for various purposes. Another thing is what's called prevailing wage laws, which apply also. By American is procurement of goods and services. By America is government money for construction and road building and schools and water systems. For By America, the contracts have to have prevailing wages, which means basically the prevailing union wage in an area so you can't have subcontracts that are trying to cheat good middle-class union jobs. So those kind of policies to reinvest, to innovate, and to ensure conduct is rewarded, the conduct we want by government contracts, is what Buy American and Buy America laws are about. Again, Buy American from the 30s and Buy America since the 1980s. 
what's this executive order all about? Because, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but there are already these rules, as you've just explained. So why do we need an executive order to recognize those rules? Or maybe you can explain what this actually is and, and what is it actually doing? So there are two things that have been going on. First of all, the Buy American and Buy America rules have waivers. And one of the waivers is a public interest or a national interest waiver. And effectively, what that means is price. And it's not defined. The rule is not if you can find something that is 25% cheaper, go for the foreign good and waive the Buy American requirement. It's just open-ended. So a lot of agencies have started to waive Buy American broadly if they just can find something that's 5% cheaper from another country. They just waive the Buy America standards saying it's the national interest to do so without thinking about, for instance, what the COVID crisis has made so apparent. We need some production domestically. We need diverse sources of imports and we need some domestic production so we have a reliable supply of essential goods. We cannot have a situation where we allow an entire sector like we have in the manufacturing of antibiotics or we have in a lot of PPE manufacturing. We can't have that all hollowed out. So by having these waivers, we have gutted a lot of Buy American, but the biggest waiver is for trade agreements. And there's a really sad story, ugly story behind this. Big multinational manufacturing corporations that wanted to outsource the actual production of their cars for General Electric, of their, of their turbines and generators and lighting systems, of Boeing, their airplanes, they still wanted to be able to get by American required contracts. But if they were doing the work in Mexico or China or wherever, obviously they wouldn't qualify. So they got the genius idea of trying to ram into trade agreements yet another untrade-related item, and that is just a made-up rule that any country that has a U.S. trade agreement is considered American for Buy American purposes. So this waiver that's now in place excuses Buy American rules so that U.S. government agencies get basically to waive Buy American privileges for 60 other countries. So Buy American now is Buy America plus Japan plus all of Europe plus Korea plus a boatload of other countries plus Mexico plus Canada plus all of Central America, all of our free trade agreement partners. And that waiver has meant practically that Buy American is largely gutted. Just to confirm, the new NAFTA also contains these waivers, correct? It does. And this is the hypocrisy in all of this. So that waiver system is something that by statute, any U.S. president can cancel unilaterally. So for three and a half years, Donald Trump has had the ability simply by executive order, it's one of the few things he really could have done legitimately by executive order, he could just end that trade agreement waiver. It is a statutory delegation of authority for the president to be able to um, basically just issue what the list of waiver countries are. And it's something that can be changed at any time. And as well, in the World Trade Organization, you can get out of those procurement rules that are in the agreement itself without any penalty. So Trump did a very early first year in office, 2017, Buy America, Hire America, executive order. And instead of fixing this huge exception that eats the rule, that executive order said 
that we have to have compliance with our international agreements. So basically, it was a hoodwink where, I guess, Trump hoped no one would realize what he was saying is, hi, it's buy America, hire America, except we won't because I'm saying we should follow the current rules that don't let us actually have buy American. Now, this most recent order repeats some of that language, but for the first time, it has a new thing. And my theory is it has the new thing because it's something that actually the Biden presidential campaign did, which is before Trump did this latest Buy America executive order, about a month ago, the Biden administration issued a policy on what they were going to do on trade and domestic supply chains. And the most interesting thing in there, in a way, is that they have a, a clause in this policy plan that says we are going to change our trade agreements to make Buy American real as compared to we are going to change Buy American to prioritize the trade agreements. And that is a pretty stunning shift for Biden because that's not necessarily a position he's had, but it's certainly where the country's headed. The COVID crisis has made everyone realize, even people who have been big supporters of these trade agreements, realize we need to have some domestic manufacturing. We need to diversify our imports, but we also have to make some of this stuff for, for emergencies, medicine, PPE. So that, I am guessing, is why this new Trump Buy America order now has a clause that orders the top trade negotiator, the U.S. trade representative, to renegotiate our trade agreements to allow domestic purchase only of a variety of essential medical supplies, PPE, medicines, etc. And the it's sort of a catch-up so that now both of the contenders in the U.S. presidential race are taking a position that's much more similar to what the public position is. Polling shows repeatedly that people want, at like over 80% of the public want buy American rules, strongly enforced, want to reinvest their tax dollars into having the government buy American made goods. So now both the Democratic and Republican contender for president are more or less suggesting that we ought to fix the trade agreement problem to be able to really have buy American. Now, whether or not that happens, I suspect, is going to take a lot of activism because there are a lot of very big multinational corporations that have enjoyed having it both ways. They produce in China, in Vietnam, in Mexico, and then they find a way to still be able to get a government contract. Perversely, I actually think that some of the horror of the COVID-19 crisis could provide an opportunity for more people in this country to demand these kinds of changes with our procurement policy to reinvest in building some production capacity for essential goods, for medicines, for PPE, for basic communications and electronic equipment, the things that we vitally need just to be healthy and secure. Because up until now, unless you lost a job to outsourcing or you were in a community that was devastated by outsourcing, and there are many of them across the country, but there are also a lot of people who haven't been directly touched, you may not have personally experienced how dangerous and devastating this model of hyper-globalization under which we have been living is for all of us. And that system is not from God. It's one set of policies. It's a set of corporate rigged rules that incentivize those behaviors. So there's more of an interest in changing the rules to change the outcomes because 
everyone is now lived with the experience of, oh my Lord, my family isn't safe because I can't get a damn mask. Or what do you mean we simply can't make ventilators? We created the technology. The the patents on the technology are here. What do you mean people could die because they can't breathe? Or my kid's going to get infected because I can't get any, we can't get the pump for the bottle for the Purell because it's only made in China now. And that injection molding with a metal spring is not possible here. People have lived with the results in a way that I think could build a demand to actually have not just our Buy American policies change, but the trade agreements changed. So that, yeah, we can get the benefits of trade. There are many of them. But that we can basically remove the overreach into domestic policy space in areas like why the hell are trade agreements dictating domestic procurement policies? States, through their state legislatures, should decide how state dollars are spent when the state procures, not a trade agreement. The federal government, through Congress, should decide what the priorities are. I mean, hell, just think of it as climate policy. We are going to need to create a whole new set of demand for different kinds of technologies for climate, or we're going to kill ourselves and the planet. So how are we going to actually use policy tools to create those incentives if we're not allowed, basically, through government purchasing to direct funds for that kind of innovation? So I think between the COVID-19 crisis and the climate crisis, there's more awareness. And that's why I think if people get informed and get activated, we actually can see these changes come to fruition. Rethinking Trade is produced by Public Citizens Global Trade Watch. I would encourage you to visit RethinkTrade.org as well as TradeWatch.org to educate yourself and to find out how you can get involved in the work we're doing to fight for fairer and more equitable trade policies.